Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the 14th episode of the CEO Journey podcast. Where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, personal development, and advice. Today, we have got a really uh, another exciting guest on the podcast. He goes by the name of Dom- Dominic Colenso. A lot of you may know him for his key role in the Thunderbirds, but he's also an international keynote speaker, author, and serial entrepreneur. Dominic, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank- thanks very much for having me. Oh, no worries. And it's uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on. Could you just briefly introduce yourself? I know I've given you a, a brief introduction, but if you could just elaborate on that, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think what Tom was alluding to was the fact that I started my career uh, as a professional actor. So my claim to fame is playing Virgil Tracy in the Hollywood remake of Thunderbirds in 2004 with Sir Ben Kingsley and Bill Paxton. Uh, but since then, my kind of journey has, has gone on in a slightly different direction. Um, and I now take those skills that actors and theatre directors use uh, to help business people engage and create impact and influence others. So I do a lot of work now with leaders, with sales teams, really helping them think about how they show up, uh, helping them with things like pitches, with presentations, um, and generally coaching people to bring out their best performance. That's incredible. And we love the work that you're doing um, currently. Uh, But Dominic, if you could just take us back, I guess, um, so what was your childhood like then? And uh, is there anything that really shaped the person you are today? Um, I, I was very lucky. Um, I grew up in rural Oxfordshire, so um, had a, a relatively quiet upbringing. Um, one one thing that probably did have, or not probably did have a massive impact on me was actually I lost my sister when I was seven years old. Mm. Um, so my family as a result of that become very kind of close and we all very um, supportive of, of each other. And, and sort of really kind of look out for each other having gone through those sorts of hard times. Um, when I was 16, I moved over to Germany. Um, my dad had a, a job that took us out there and uh, that was amazing to get a, a kind of international perspective to hang out with people from all around the world. Uh, I went to an American international school, so got to hang out with lots of different uh, nationalities and got to travel, um, did uh, theatre shows around Europe, played rugby uh, in you know Amsterdam rather than the club next door. Um, and one big thing for me was I, I got to go to Africa uh, for a month and, uh, and teach English out there. So that, that sort of seed, I suppose, of what I'm doing now in terms of coaching and teaching was probably planted way back then when I was sort of 17 years old. That's incredible. And obviously you've touched on losing your sister, um, which is obviously a massive hardship to go through. Um, so would you say that really motivated you to achieve later on in life? And uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, so. Abby was amazing. She had a, a heart defect from birth, and she never ever let that get her down. Like she powered through everything. She was always um, the, the the kind of one that wanted to play the game to the bitter end, even though she was kind of blue in the face and, and could hardly breathe. So I think there's a a level of kind of resilience and determination that I took from her. Um, but also a massive sort of joy for life. She really lived every moment and uh, and made the most out of everything and never let those kind of small things get her down. So um, that's that's been kind of instrumental in, I think, my outlook um, as I you know, went into adulthood and, and started my own family as well. That's definitely admirable. And obviously, you started your career off in acting. Um, so I guess, how did you get into that? And uh, where did your passion for that really uh, start 
Um, I, I was always the, I always did the school plays and that sort of thing. You know, I remember being like fourteen and being an ensemble member in Grease the Musical and, and those sorts of bits and pieces. And I did a GCSE in in drama. Um, but then when I moved out to Germany, I had an amazing uh, singing teacher and a, an amazing drama teacher. Uh, and they just really encouraged me. And it was in a time when you could do multiple degree courses. You didn't, you know, you, you didn't just have to do one. The government were going to pay for it. So I took a bit of a risk and I think my parents thought I was going to be a lawyer or go and study business somewhere. Um, and I sort of remember speaking to them one day and saying, you know, Miss Manning, my drama teacher, had said that she thinks I'm good at this and I, I think I'd like to apply for drama school. Uh, and they were massively supportive. And uh, the, the kind of fallback plan was always going to be, well, if that doesn't work out, I'll just go back and spend another three years doing something else. Um, but I was really lucky. I, I did my drama school training and I got my first job in my third year and everything kind of took off from there. Yeah, and you were able to land some obviously really key roles and big roles. Um, and I think a lot of aspiring actors would really look up to you from that sense. So what would you say made you stand out from the uh, rest of the crowd i guess looking to get into acting and land these key roles yeah I, th I think that's a hard one really so anyone that has been in the world of acting knows that there's a lot of luck uh, involved you have to be in the right place at the right time and i think fundamentally the things that i did really well were actually you know connecting with people in in the industry and um, being very strategic about targeting the right agents and the right casting directors mm -hmm. at the end of um at the end of my three year of training uh, we had this showcase and most people just you know, sent an email to the casting director or, or wrote them a letter uh, inviting them to come along and see us. And I I used my savings to have postcards <laughs> printed with my face on them. And then I hand wrote notes uh, on the back of them and sent them out. Um, and like at the time, you know, when you think about postcards now, you think, oh, that costs like two quid. Uh, back then, it was so expensive. You had to have your photo put onto a sort of silver plate and everything was printed off this plate. Um, uh, it wasn't just like digital printing like we have now. So I I did that and and the response to that was huge. So I had lots more interest from casting directors and agents than I think some of the other people in my in my year did, just because of the way I'd kind of marketed myself, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of landing the roles, it's about hard work. It's about doing you know doing the stuff in the background, learning the lines, um, you know, showing up in the right way on the day. Um, and then keeping your fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, hundred percent. And I guess from that, um, and to put a bit of context for you, um, I've got actually a friend whose passion is in acting, but he's taken a conventional route through university, studying a degree that's not applicable to that whatsoever. But he's really looking to get a break. Um, for someone like him or anyone else in a similar position, what would you best advise for them to break through into the acting space? <laughs> So like like anything, you know, you've you've got to be in it to win it. You've got to be doing it. So uh, even if you weren't doing it in the kind of conventional way and going to drama school, then you need to find 
you know semi-professional productions that you can be a part of you know not just your local amateur dramatic society but some something that's kind of you know growing and big and like in in 2022 2023 you can you can shoot your own movie you can have your own youtube channel you need to be kind of getting your content uh, out there it's just like any business really you've got to have that visibility um uh, in order to create that credibility and also the more social proof you have i think in in this day and age the better so the more likes the more shares the the more things go viral um the the bigger chance you have of, of someone sort of spotting you and, and taking you on but it's it's all about hard work keep knocking on the doors don't don't take the knockbacks too seriously um, and, and keep pushing on. So lots of parallels between the acting world and the world of business, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess before we get on to what you're doing in the business world currently, um, another question what I'd like to ask you is, I guess, your experience in Thunderbirds, what was that like for you? And uh, guess what were the things that you learned from that? <clears throat> I, I mean, it was, to be honest, it was like being an theme park you know if i don't know if you've ever been to disney or universal pictures or anything like that but yeah you, know, you press the button and things moved and uh there was lots of dry ice and sort of craziness um dangling from cranes above uh flaming oil rigs and all sorts of madness it was great fun it was uh, amazing to see the work ethic of the cast and the crew, you know, it's a, those sorts of things are massive, massive productions. You've got hundreds of people working on it and the, um, the kind of coordination of that in order to build that final product is, is huge. Um, so the, the filming of it itself was amazing. Seeing people like Sir Ben Kingsley and the late Bill Paxton, wow doing their thing mm. uh, being able to talk to them about it and ask them you know why they'd made that choice or how they were going to play this scene or what did it mean if uh, if the camera was that far away and how did it change their performance there was just so much to learn so I was like a bit of a sponge to be honest um, and then there's a weird hiatus where the movie has been filmed and then you wait for sort of six months for for it to go through the edit and then things pick up again and you start the press junkets and talking to the journalists and then you've got the premiere which you know just that's mind-blowing walking down a red carpet and having people scream your name and you're like hang on you haven't even seen the film yet what's going but that hysteria kind did of you walk down the red carpet yeah absolutely wow. in, in the uk and then in tokyo as well we went out to uh to japan to do a big uh big premiere there with like 6,000 people in the audience and uh, the the equivalent of like the biggest boy band in Japan they were called V6 they were kind of like the Beatles they dubbed our voices so each of us was teamed up with one of these members of the boy band and you know that was that was enough. so yeah it was uh, it was all kind of very crazy and um, and very good fun and and what I have been able to take from that now is the kind of parallels between those that level of performance yeah level of performance that you know ceos sales directors sales teams have um to help them you know bring them best their best selves to the roles right no, that's incredible and uh getting on to i guess what you're currently doing what is um if you could just basically elaborate on what inflow is and uh i guess how you really got into this um, position and what inspired you to take this route from acting <clears throat> yeah 
So this whole thing kind of kicked off over 10 years, probably about 12 years ago now. Uh, I was working, I continued working as an actor, but was also directing theatre quite a lot. Um, And I'd started teaching at some of the big drama schools in in the UK. So I went back to teach at my drama school, which is a place called Drama Centre, very method. Uh, Tom Hardy was in the the year above me. Uh, I was also teaching at RADA and a couple of the other big drama schools in London. And while I was doing that, I got asked whether I could help a business out with some storytelling. Um, And I'm the sort of person that will say yes to to anything once. Um, So I wasn't really sure how the skills were going to transfer, but I thought, Mm. you know, we'll give it a go. And it was fascinating. It was fascinating to see people take a toolkit from one industry and be able to apply it in in another. And I saw saw the power that that had to help people do their jobs better. You know, Mm. in in most industries, uh, a lot of what we do is communicate ideas with other people. We have something up here and we have to bring it to life um for Mm. our audience so that kind of led me down an interesting curious path i went and did some retraining uh, as a coach and got some coaching qualifications started doing more of the the training side of things alongside the acting um and then uh, my daughter was born nine years ago and we decided that that was a a good reason to start a a business and to Mm. have our own thing we moved out of london um i now live up in yorkshire and uh inflow was was born just after nell was so um yeah that that's a, a communication skills training company we work with organizations internationally um we've got a, a great client base uh, we help sales teams help leaders with their communication skills um, I do a lot of one-to-one coaching with CEOs and C-suite uh, leaders, helping them think about their impact and their messaging and, and how mm. they come across. Um, and I also do a lot of keynote speaking. So I, I turn up at conferences and uh, try and deliver a really interesting, inspiring and useful message in, in 60 minutes to get people motivated to think about how they can make more impact and, and increase their influence. So a, a lot of it comes from uh, from the book that I wrote in 2019, a little plug uh, called Impact. Impact. Yeah. And uh, in that, I've kind of distilled down the methodology uh, that I used and tried to put it into some really sort of simple, practical steps that that people can follow uh, to help them be more effective. So, so what is the sort of framework that you use when you're working with these clients? Yeah, so the well, the acronym's called Impact, um, and all of the coaches that, that work for us will follow the, the, the sort of same um, methodology. Uh, the I stands for intention, so that's all about beginning with the end in mind, making sure that you've got a kind of clear objective, being um, aware of what you want people to know, what you want them to feel, what you want them to do. Uh, the M is mindset. So I believe that we all hear voices in our heads. Mm. Um, and for any listeners that are thinking, what's he talking about? That's the voice. Yeah, we're always having this little kind of dialogue uh, with ourselves. And, uh, you know, often that's quite negative. It's kind of saying, oh, that sucked. Don't do that again. Um, so we need to be able to work with that voice and turn it into something that is more supportive. Um the P in the model is presence. That's physical and vocal. A lot of that comes from my 
days as uh, an actor. Um, if uh, if you're watching this on video, you'll notice that I'm standing up right now. I really kind of think that being embodied helps you carry your message. So the more energized you are physically, the more energy you give to your audience. I definitely need to learn that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Start moving around. Uh, the, the A in the model is audience. Who are they? How do you speak their language? You know, often we want to communicate from our own perspective and we don't think about how we can flex. We don't think about what the person that we're talking to's perspective is and, and how we can speak their language. It's much easier to do that than it is to drag them kind of kicking and screaming to, towards where you are. Uh, the C is in content and we, you know, depending on who we're working with, that might be about a sales pitch. It might be uh, about a presentation. It might be about giving feedback. But how do you how do you structure what you say? How do you tell stories? If you're sharing visual narrative, what does that look like? And then T is probably the most important ingredient, and that's technique. Um, and that's about authenticity. So I genuinely believe that there is no one right way to communicate. There's just the best version of you. And you need to work out which bits of yourself you need to turn up and which bits of yourself you need to turn down, depending on the situation that you find yourself in. Um, some people find this easier than others, but everyone can do it. It's just about going to the gym, essentially, the communications gym, putting in the reps, working with the tools and techniques until they become your own. Um, and when you get to that point, it's really exciting because you get to that kind of flow state, which is where the name for our company came from, that idea of being, you know, in flow where everything's nice and easy um, and uh, you're not having to overthink it. And from, I guess, someone who, I guess, is really in tune with communication performance as a whole, um, why would you say communication is so important from a business perspective? <laughs> well, like very simply, you can't not communicate. Mm. you're 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 always sending out a message every email you type every team meeting that you have every sales call you know even if we even if it's not verbal communication that written communication of what appears on your landing page or your website what's the message that you're sending out so we have to get that right if we want to take people on a journey with us um, it's we live in this age where we're just bombarded with information. Um, I'm looking at out the corner of my eye at my uh, second screen right now, and I've I've got about 400 tabs open <laughs> on Google Chrome, you know, and there's little notifications pinging up, and so our our attention is being pulled in so many different directions all of the time. So whether you're communicating internally with your internal stakeholders and colleagues or externally to, to partners and, uh, and customers, you've got to get that right if you want to rise above the noise and, and make a difference. And um, you, you talked about the technicality aspect of it um, through the acronym. Um, and if we can just elaborate that on that a bit, because uh, obviously I'm, I'm gauging it's something to do with being self-aware and being able to act, act on that. But what are the actionable steps that someone can take from a technical standpoint? So, I mean, there are, there, there are technical elements of all of these uh, pieces of communication. So, you know, if you're thinking about vocal presence or physical presence, or you're thinking about how to structure a clear intention, there are simple tools that you can use methods that you can implement when i think about technique as a, as a whole um that's about 
working out which bits work for you and and being prepared to be vulnerable and, and take some risks. So I think that, you know, quite often we, we tend to try and play things safe. What's interesting about actors is that they go into the rehearsal room to fail. Yeah. You go into the rehearsal to mess things up, to try stuff out. If it all goes wrong, it doesn't matter. But in a business context, often we try and control everything and and you can't, and that stops you coming across as authentic. So you've got to be able to kind of drop those barriers um, and, uh, and really kind of engage with your audience and just be available to play. Um, you know, if, if I, if I could encourage people to do one thing, for example, and people will hate this idea, it would be press record on your next Zoom or Teams meeting and watch yourself back. Like <laughs> most people don't do it. So they, they, you kind of jump on and you kind of get into the flow of everything and you communicate your message and then you get off and you never actually review that footage. That footage would tell you so much about how you come across most people will be surprised that actually they come across as really quite under-energized and a, and a little bit dull. Um, and especially on Zoom and Teams, that's because the camera sucks energy out of your performance. So if you want to come across well on camera, you've got to actually increase your energy levels. I'm not saying you have to be all kind of, you know, jazz hands and, and kind of crazy, but you do have to be more focused if you want people to to kind of sit up and pay attention. Um, so yeah, technique is about doing the reps. One uh, one way of just sort of starting to check in and build that awareness. Press record next time you're on a on a virtual meeting. And what about for people who just aren't confident at all, um, and they're just wanting obviously to you know build something great or do something with a great impact, but they don't have the confidence. Like, what do they do? Is there anything that you would advise to them? Well, obviously, the first thing I'm going to say is uh, is read my book. Uh, the second thing I'm going to say is put uh, that in the description. <laughs> is, uh, is sub- subscribe to my YouTube channel and uh, and follow me on LinkedIn. Um, th- this stuff is a process, so you're not going to shift the needle overnight, right? When I went to drama school. I was a very nervous performer. I used to go bright red, uh, you know, blush from the neck up. You could fry eggs on my ears. It was all very kind of hot and, and sweaty. And I learned a series of, of techniques to help give myself that confidence, to help me be calm and controlled under pressure. Um, but you have to, it's back to the technique, you have to put in the reps. The other thing that I see people doing is they they lose focus so rather than just choosing one thing and working on that so for example if you are particularly nervous breathing is going to be really good way to help you get that fight or flight response under control i would spend three four five weeks being really committed to working on that breath in those high stakes situations before i tried out anything else yeah, you've got to give these things time to to develop. It's like going to the gym. You don't just, you know, stack the machine to its highest weight sure. and do the first bench That's press. You have, to, yeah. you have to start small and, and build it up. And exactly the same is true for, for communication. No, 100%. And I think that's a uh, great place to end the podcast on, Dominic. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and uh, we had a really interesting conversation there. Um, any last words for the viewers? 
Um, I, go out and make an impact. We we live in this amazing age where you know we can be talking to each other from completely different parts of the country. Um, I get to work around the world with with organisations with without setting foot outside of my office. So your audience is out there. Um, you have a great opportunity to uh, to reach them. Just make sure you have fun while you're doing it. Uh, that's great advice and obviously they can reach you on um, LinkedIn you've got a YouTube channel which um, I'll plug in the uh, this description for you and obviously impact the book um, if you're someone who feels like you can gain a lot of value from this then please you know buy the book and uh, read it and learn yeah it's on Audible too if you prefer to listen yeah um, well yeah so that's all going to be down in the description um, but yeah Dominic thank you very much we wish you the best of luck with Inflow and um, yeah yeah uh, thank you very much for hopping on the podcast.